Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Good evening, Jundo. How are you today? Oh, I've been out performing miracles. Miracles? Like changing water into wine and changing bread into fishes? No, but just changing water into tea, which I've enjoyed today, and <laughs> petting the cat and walking. No, no, no. Understand that these are truly miracles, and we don't think of it this way. We unfortunately think that ordinary life is just ordinary. We don't realize it's truly a miracle. What is a miracle if not just to breathe and to, to see the, the, the sun come up in the morning? It's a miracle. We get so used to things that maybe the first time we see something extraordinary, a great sunset, a beautiful forest or whatever, we, we feel it deep within, down to the marrow, like you Zen people like to say. And then the next time, we're kind of comparing the one we see to the previous one, and it may not be as good. And then after 10 sunsets, it's just another sunset. Oh, but it doesn't have to be beautiful and glorious like a sunset. It can be a rusty old tin can at the side of the road or taking out the trash on a cold morning. You know, the whole universe has come around to us being here to, to get out of bed in the morning on a cold day and toss on a sweater and take out the trash. Now, I know that people say, well, what's miraculous about taking out the trash? But you have to breathe, you have to use your legs, your eyes, or taking in the light that the sun is casting. Uh, it's a miracle just to do the most ordinary of ordinary things. And it's easy to lose sight of that. Now, if you have if you have cats like mine that bother me every morning for food, then you're kind of on the fence between the miracle of these little animals that are so friendly and the fact that they're so annoying. Well, to sneeze at your cat allergy takes billions of years of development of the human nose and the allergens of the cat hair, which <laughs> took all of the development of the mammal species, which arose from the fish, which arose from the plankton which arose from there to be a planet here at all, for you to be able to sneeze at a simple cat allergy. I'm not kidding you. You know, you said we lose sight of this. The human eye is attuned to the wavelengths of light. That why is there light? Why are there wavelengths? Why is there a sun to cast it on our planet just at the right frequencies, not too hot, or intense, not too cold, but just right for us to see, to see all these magnificent colors. That's why taking out the trash in the morning or sneezing at the cat is a miracle, my friend. One scientist called this the Goldilocks planet. It's not too mm -hmm. hot, it's not too cold, it's just right. And apparently there are billions of planets in the universe, if not trillions, if not an endless number of planets. but 
life developed here because it's just right, because it's not too cold, it's not too hot, it's not too violent. Um, the seasons, the difference between the seasons isn't too extreme. Imagine if uh, every summer around most of the earth, it was 120 degrees Fahrenheit, right? 40, 50 degrees Celsius. We wouldn't be able to survive that. Well, let, let, let's face it. We, we know at this point that there's other life out there. We, we haven't found it yet. Like America was not discovered in 1491. So, I mean, the, the Native Americans were living there. They weren't the Native Americans yet. They were just the people who lived there, and it was their place. But 1492, we found it. But they were there all along. Well, there are planets out there filled with life. We know. That. We, it's no big guess. But it has to be within a very narrow corridor parameter. Too intense. Gravity too strong or too weak. The most basic life cannot form. And what's more intelligent, sentient life cannot form. That we are sitting here doing a podcast. The universe has allowed us to do a podcast, Kirk. It's not just that. The miracle is that you're on the other side of the globe. We're eight hours away, so about a third of the planet away. We're talking to each other, seeing each other. That's an incredible miracle. And just at the right time, too. Do you know, if the universe were a little younger or older, it would not have had time to develop for life to evolve, for planets to develop. We're in a narrow corridor of not only space, but time that has let us be here. And, you know, I was, my, my daughter is adopted. She was adopted from China. And the subject came up of, Dad, how did I come to be part of this family? And I, I turned to her and I said, you know, every family, it's a miracle how we are all together. Because think about it. Your grandparents, your great-grandparents, the the monkey that is somewhere in your lineage, the, the, the squirrel that became that monkey, the fish, if everything had not worked out just right, just right, there would be no Kirk. And Kirk is a miracle. I, I sometimes think about the, the chance that happens when a child is conceived that I have a son who's 31 years old. Um, and what if he was conceived on a different day with a different egg and a different sperm cell? He would be a totally different person. Or, or, or no person. And, and if his dad had not been conceived at the right time or his grandparents, you see, something is a miracle. I, I, what's the definition of a miracle? Something that you would think should not happen, but happens because things somehow magically came together. Well, what is more that magic than our life being here? And I don't mean just life in general, which is miracle enough. I mean our lives. And this cat that is right here giving me these allergies, it is magic, my friend. <laughs> Generally, a miracle is described as something that can't be explained. And right. while we, we can explain a lot of this with science and evolution and physics and all that, but there is still that sort of origin of life and existence that we can't explain. As much as scientists may come up with these complicated theories, it's still not entirely, we're not 100% sure. Well, we're not 100% sure. And I think that when the, uh, we finally do understand a little bit more about how we got there, it's going to turn out to be a much more fantastic story 
than even we can conceive right now. There is truly, uh, I think, some what, you know, the ancient peoples, when they saw the sun come up in the morning, they couldn't explain it. So for them, it was magic. They thought it was the gods who were doing this. They thought that there was, why was there this great fireball in the sky? It was, it was truly a miracle and magic. And they thought that their, their ceremonies and their incantations were what raised the fireball to grow the, the crops. Well, you know, now we think, oh, it's just the sun. It's just nuclear fusion reactions happening. Uh, piece of cake. No, it's amazing. Do you know that the gravity <laughs> of the sun is perfectly attuned, that the whole thing doesn't come apart? It holds there for billions of years, just emitting the right uh, wavelengths of energy that we don't fry our little butts here on this planet. It is wondrous. And the sun's gravity is just exactly right to keep us at the right distance. You are darn right. And if you didn't have the moon up there, I'm looking at the moon. It's nighttime here in Japan. I'm looking at the moon right now. If we didn't have the moon, you wouldn't have the, the continents. You wouldn't have the seas, the tides coming in and out. All of it is in fine balance. And that balance is what we call a miracle. I sometimes think that, you know, what you were describing, ancient people, the sun would come up, they would think it was the gods. I don't remember which Greek god went across the sky pulling the sun in the chariot or whatever it was. And I sometimes regret that we've lost that, what, what we have as children, that sort of fascination with the world around us and, and turning it magical in some ways. And I'm not at all anti-science, quite the contrary, but there is something to appreciate. And so I mentioned before we started recording, Thich Nhat Hanh wrote a book called The Miracle of Mindfulness. This is decades old, and I read this pretty early on in my path. And I remember him talking about, you know, look at the miracle of a blade of grass, of a flower. And sometimes I'll sit out in my garden and I'll just look. And it's kind of like doing zazen, that you can get into a state that you're receptive to the things around. And I can really feel that, that there is some... I wouldn't call it energy, but there's an appreciation of, of the extreme specialness of reality. Speak for yourself if you say you've lost a sense of magic, because I have never lost it uh, my, myself. And I, I, I don't mean to say I'm always going around looking at flowers saying how wondrous it is. That's not what I mean. But if you look closely at anything, you can see the wonder that's there. You know, wizards, we, we, we read all these books like Harry Potter about and uh, Lord of the Rings about wizards. We have wizards. They're called physicists. We have alchemists. <laughs> They're called chemists. We have life creators. They're called biologists. Because the magic they're doing in the laboratory, the, the things they're creating are more fantastic than any, anyone in ages past summoning genies and dragons. We are truly creating genies and dragons in the laboratory these days. We are doing magic. And uh, we're seeing that these days when we're bringing life with this new thing called a vaccination that would cure disease. In the old days, you'd call the, the magic man or the witch doctor and you say, yes, I have a fever. Please chant something. And he chanted and you'd still die. But these days, <laughs> you actually call the magic man, you know, and he comes and he cures you. He actually cures you. This is real magic. <laughs> 
Good, good point. This is exciting, particularly we're, we're in a period where the shaman do have an importance that they have come up with this vaccine and it's starting to circulate. People are getting um, vaccinations and it will, it won't cure everyone. Some people might not survive, but still it's, it's curing society. And what did magicians talk about in the past? They talked about flying through the air. We all do it. Costs a hundred bucks, you know, <laughs> plus you get to, you know, you get a meal. It's amazing. You know, we, we talk about traveling to other worlds. We do it. We do it. You know, you travel, you know, you, you talk about snapping your fingers and light. It happens. We are living in a world of magic, Kirk. And right now, you know, even doing this podcast, talking, I'm talking into a little stick here. And somehow my voice <laughs> is traveling to England where you are. It's magic. As you know, I like photography. And one thing I like about photography is that you can catch sometimes those instants that are magical and you can look back at them and you can appreciate them because we tend to go through life on autopilot, most of us. And having that opportunity to stop the world, I find really interesting because then you can really appreciate something because you've frozen it, you've put it in a frame and you, you're looking at it, the colors, the lights, the shadows. Well, the Zen masters always said, look, 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 stop, breathe, truly see something. It can be a, a stone. It can be a single blade of grass. If you look at it closely, you see the whole universe inside. And it's true. All the universe pours together into every moment of our lives and every moment of everything that's transpiring. It is wondrous if we stop to look but we're usually rushing around getting in the car going here and there we miss it all everybody this week in the middle of whatever you're doing for no reason at all pause for a minute and look Another miracle that I've been appreciating lately, um, this morning I took some powder out of a bag and I mixed it with water and I set it aside in a bowl and about an hour and a half later it was twice as big. And I took it out again and then I put it into a pan and it's currently getting bigger and I'm going to put it in an oven and it's going to cook for 35 minutes and make food. Now, I've been making bread for decades, but since the lockdown I've been making it a lot more and I really appreciate the way that I can harness the life of the yeast and the flour and the water and the salt to make something that is the staff of life, as we call it. Bread is a miracle for a thousand, ten thousand years that has nurtured our civilization. But the fact that there is something growing on this world that we can put into our mouth that is broken down into precisely the chemicals we need that react with the receptors in our cells to produce exactly the energy we need to keep going an amazing conglomeration of organs and vessels in our body. What would you call that? Oh, a miracle. Definitely a miracle. But then there's a problem with things like M&Ms that you kind of eat. And no, M&Ms are a miracle. <laughs> M&M stands for miracle and magic. Did you know that? I think it actually is true. It's miracle M&M. But we eat these things that aren't good for us, and that's the problem. Yes, they're miracles still, but they're not really good for us. Well, I guess it's the whole balance of, of not too much and not too little, the Goldilocks thing. That's the black magic, man. Not all the magic's good <laughs> for you, you know? 
you know. No, no, no. But I know, man. I, 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 if I had a choice between M and M's and the bread, well, uh, yeah. In any case, in the old days, a Zen fellow like me would have been expected to do some real magic. The reason is, you had those old Buddhist books that spoke of Buddhas and ancients who were able to truly fly through the air without a jet, to snap their fingers and light would appear without electricity, who were able to read minds and see the future or to know the past. And uh, there was a problem. Ask me what the problem was. What was the problem? People would go up to the living Zen master and they would say, hey, let me see your magic. Let me see you do this stuff. And uh, in most cases, or in all cases, he could not. So this is where the what is known as the ZME came in, the Zen master's excuse for how he, the reasons he would not or could not perform the miracle. And would you like to know those excuses? Yes, please. I'd like to know these. Uh, there's a wonderful scholar's paper, and I wish I could remember who had written it, who went into this in quite some detail. Master Dogen wrote a piece on this very subject, Master Dogen, the fellow from Soto Zen, in which he discussed the miracles he performed as the most ordinary things. And the reason he did it was, I think someone asked him, hey, Dogen, you're a big Zen guy. Let's see your miracles. So he could not, I think, actually perform miracles. So the first thing that he would say is, oh, magic is the most ordinary of things, which is what I've been telling you through this whole podcast. Trying to discern. Oh, don't expect me to walk on water. Don't expect me to fly through the air. Drinking tea, chopping wood, fetching water is a miracle. That was excuse number one. Excuse number two, I can, but I'm just not going to show you. <laughs> no, really. That was excuse number two. Which, but, you know, isn't that, fine. isn't that lying a bit? Because the first excuse is realistic, right? That blade of grass, that's magic. The moon and the dewdrop, that's a miracle. But saying that I can, but I won't, well, that's, there's a precept about that. Well, it depends on your friend. Maybe I can, but I won't show okay. you. Okay. All right. Then that's not technically dishonest. How about maybe again? If I could, I still wouldn't show you. That yes, if I could, I still wouldn't show you. Which leaves it ambiguous. Can he or yes. can't he? Doesn't matter. You're thinking of the wrong thing. Drink your tea. It's a miracle. You see. You can combine <laughs> these. You can combine these in various ways. And uh, the other way is uh, there were actually Zen masters out there who I think were uh, pretty good with a little sleight of hand and uh, would actually perform some magic tricks and leave the audience amazed. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there was, a, there was a wonderful documentary about a fellow. Uh, it's what, it was one of these Discovery Channel or something documentaries where they spend the whole hour searching for some magic Tibetan Lama. And in the 59th minute of the one-hour documentary, they finally find him. He's a fellow who is purported to be able to levitate. So they go into his room and they say, we want to see you levitate. Finally, in the last minutes, he actually levitates, but he's 
he's he's sitting against the wall. Mm. You just look at it, and you know there's some trick. He's got like a, a two assistants in the back lifting him up on some kind of elevator device, you know, and he's raising up there. Can you, he only can levitate next to the wall. He can't levitate in the middle of the room, you know? Yep. Little fishy, right? So it was possible for certain holy men or Zen masters of the past to kind of fake it and and to to do some tricks. And I think they would leave the audience about that. There there was a famous uh, holy man. I'm not going to say his name because we will get letters, not the kind we want. But this Indian holy man always had very long sleeves, if you see him in his YouTube video. And out of these, he's, he's always reaching to people, and a, a watch comes out or some holy sand. He was very famous with making the holy sand appear, and he would hand it out. And people would be amazed, oh, his hand was empty, and here's the holy. Well, he's got sleeves that are as big as, you know, uh, um, he's wearing a, 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 basically a tent on his hand. Filled with sand. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to figure this out. So um, that's a, that was the third way that you basically could get by with it, uh, a little sleight of hand. So how come you haven't learned a few card tricks yet? Well, you know, I made a series of videos on this a few years ago, which I discussed the, the sense. And I did some amazing camera work. Like I set my kid up. I was on a seesaw. And we put the camera a certain place, and my kid pushed down on the seesaw. It actually looked like I raised off the ground, you know? You, so using YouTube, you can also do some, some amazing tricks. So, uh, I don't know if you know this, but when I was a teenager, I was into doing magic. Um, I learned a whole bunch of stuff. I used to go to a store in Manhattan called Wu Tannins. Anyone who knows magic knows Wu Tannins. And I found it really quite fascinating because... It was, in some ways, it was miraculous because it was defying people's expectations. Um, even though they knew they were being tricked, they appreciated being tricked. Well, I'm, I'm going to do one right now. We're on a podcast, so people can see this, can't see this, so you're, they're just going to have to trust me. I'm going to now, I have, a, I have a, an ordinary rock here. You can see. You see it, Kirk? And I'm yep. going to snap my fingers, and it's going to turn into a bird. Ready? Okay. Have I astounded you? You have. I, this is astounding. I've never seen anything like it. It's such a shame our podcast listeners could not see that because uh, we, we, we're, we're not on video. We don't do video podcasts. What a shame. We could have seen Jundo's actual miracle. What's the bird going to do now? Watch out. Watch out. It's, it's going to watch. Oh, you better get a tissue there. But can I get serious for a moment? Okay. You and I are... Uh, I would say, uh, kind of rationalist. We're kind of skeptical. Yeah. We don't believe in claims and the, what usually purports to be miracle stories and such. If people claim that uh, they can do certain things, I want to see proof. You're, you're the same, right? Yes. I've recently come around to the belief that, uh, you know, people need their magic. And it was because of a friend of mine, you know, one of these people believes in angels. Mm. Angel. Well, you know, I was very skeptical of it, and I still am. I don't, I don't personally believe in angels and uh, the, the pure land that some Buddhists believe in and the miracles that uh, if you, you pray to a certain statue that, uh, you know, it's actually going to work healing. on. I'm very skeptical of this, but you know something? People need that. And can we deny him that medicine if that's what they need? 
If someone needs, uh, they're sick and they need to believe that they go into a church or a temple and they pray to a statue and maybe that'll work a cure, who are we to say that that's wrong? In some cases, it actually does work just because of the placebo effect. The placebo effect is real. And it's, it's another miracle that science cannot fully explain. Why, when people believe in something, and even if they know it's just a placebo, it sometimes works. And it sometimes does the impossible. And it is uh, the, the odd case where the fellow has terminal cancer and suddenly the, the doctors can't explain where it goes. It happens. It happens. And I'm not going to claim I know the, the reason it happened. People need their magic when times are tough. The problem is, however, that there are plenty of um, malicious people willing to take advantage of those who need magic. So-called faith true. healers, etc. By the way, you're going to give the number at the end for people to, to send for the charms we're selling? <laughs> yes, yes. 1-800-JUNDO. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a bargain at uh, only $1,000 a piece. It's my bath water. I, I took a bath before and I put all the <laughs> bath water in little vials. And if people pour it over their heads, so all their dreams will come true. Or at least my dreams will come true because I'm going to have all that cash. Well, I hope I get a cut of it. 10%. Okay, that's fair. I have to go and continue performing my miracle of putting the bread in the oven so I'll have food for later. What about you? What's next? I'm going to turn lead into gold. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.